So friends, I have to admit, none, no uh, theme uh, jumped out at me in uh, all three readings this weekend, and uh, I wanted to avoid tackling the second reading, because that's a <laughs> tricky one. Uh, so instead, uh, I decided to talk about demons, uh, give uh, this homily on the demonic from our gospel today. And there's a reason, because part of the, uh, we're going through the, you might know that the readings are on a three-year cycle. This whole year we're going to hear a huge percentage of the healings that he has Jesus doing are exorcisms, are deliverance uh, healings. I think it's something like in Mark's gospel, there's 13 or 14 healings. It's a short gospel. And I think four of them are uh, deliverance or exorcism healing. So it's a significant percentage of Jesus's healing ministry in the Gospel of Mark that we're going to hear from. And so I just wanted to offer a few reflections on this topic, which sparks a lot of curiosity, I think, but also one that we just don't talk about uh, a ton. So what do we make of these uh, deliverance exorcism accounts in the Gospels? Um, I think there's a uh, a couple temptations. One is a temptation to dismiss these entirely as a vestige of a kind of pre-scientific uh, superstitious age, right? That uh, if these gospels were being written today, everything that Jesus heals in these people would be diagnosed instead as personality disorders, uh, emotional disorders, mental illness, uh, and so on, right? And so we can kind of uh, put that to the side. The other thing I'll tell you that I don't like about it, uh, that I struggled with in my own, I think, intellectual and spiritual journey, as you confront the, the scriptural data on this, which Jesus uh, devotes not an insignificant amount to this question of the role of sort of the demonic, uh, his healing of the demonic. At one point he calls Satan the prince of this world. Um, I mean, it seems to be a significant part of Jesus. But one of the things I didn't like about it is I think I'm really uh, self-reliant, independent American. And I don't like the idea of anything exerting influence on me, like outside of myself. You know, like I and I think sometimes I think about this on the positive side, too. Sometimes I'm like, I don't need God's grace. I can do this myself. But then on the flip side, it's like, I don't want the thought of there being spiritual forces at play that are exerting influence on my will, right, outside of me. And I think, so I think I had a hesitation to think and to contemplate these passages a little deeper. So I just want to lay out a couple principles um, as we hear a lot of these accounts from the Gospel of Mark this year. The first is... Um, that it does seem that we can't, I, I wouldn't reduce all of these accounts to uh, pre-scientific um, encounters. I think it would be a disservice to say that all of this could be psychologized. Right? Um, now, is it reasonable to assume that maybe some of the interactions Jesus has uh, with the demonic today might be uh, diagnosed differently. I think that's a reasonable uh, assumption. And it's one that the church operates with when looking at deliverance or exorcism cases. We had a, you, you might uh, think 
priests don't do continuing education, uh, but we, we, are, we are asked to do continuing education. And uh, one of the last ones we had for the priests in our diocese was an exorcist who came and spoke to us uh, about his work as an exorcist. Um, but one of the things he drove home, which is something you might have heard, which is that in order for an exorcism even to be contemplated, uh, all natural, all possible natural causes must be exhausted, right? So uh, psychological testing, these sorts of things. We have to rule out that there can be a natural cause before the church would even consider the performance of a major exorcism, right? So I think that's a good instinct that m many but I do think it's, it's so in your face in the Gospels. Um, and some of the symptoms of the people in the Gospels don't necessarily match perfectly with our modern understandings of some personality disorders and psychological conditions. Right? That I think it would be a mistake to completely rationalize all the accounts. It seems Jesus is taking on spiritual forces that are at play. And this is something that, uh, I think, shockingly to many people, Pope Francis is, like, really big on this. He preaches, if you follow his homilies, he's always, it seems, uh, to the consternation of many, he's always preaching on the devil. Uh, he has a very personal sense that spiritual warfare is a, uh, uh, just a personal part of the Christian life. That we are battling not just the demons of our own nature. But we are battling spiritual forces outside of ourselves, right? That want nothing more for sin and depravity and vice to flourish and good and truth uh, to be diminished. That we're fighting things beyond just human evil. We're fighting uh, the evil of the demons. And so um, I, I tend to fall back on C.S. Lewis's line in uh, the Screw Tape Letters. Uh, Lewis says there are two equal uh, positions on the demonic. Uh, both are equally problematic. One is to dismiss them. Uh, I think that's hard to do with the scriptural accounts. Uh, I think it's also hard to do in light of some of the grave, grave evils of the world. I, I think when you look at stuff like human trafficking and things like this, I... I'm not sure all the sum total of all human evil can actually um, uh, can actually explain how evil some of the things in this world are, right? Um, and so Lewis says, don't dismiss the demonic. Uh, that probably leaves you uh, vulnerable. Um, but on the other hand, he says, don't become obsessed with it uh, in a fascinating way to the point that you forget in faith. That Christ's power is more is stronger than any evil force. That the power of Christ's death, death and resurrection has 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 destroyed and stripped the power of the dominions of Satan. So don't fall into this like, um, you know, it was. It's interesting. I get most of the calls I get for deliverance, exorcism. They all fall around Halloween, you know, because. Everybody's like watching these movies uh, online, and you know they're watching movies and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I think my five-year-old is possessed." You know, it's like, no, they're just a five-year-old, you know. Um, so, uh, 
Anyway, don't, don't, so Lewis says we got to avoid both of those extremes. Uh, to deny them might put us a little vulnerable in spiritual warfare. It might deny what Jesus was coming to do, which was to conquer not just sort of the evil of, that is capable by human beings, but also stranglehold that Satan and the dominions of evil uh, had on the earth. I think it's hard to explain some of Jesus' words uh, when we take that piece out of the Gospels. Um, but also, don't become obsessed with it. Christ is more powerful. God's grace is more powerful than any evil uh, that can be uh, present in this world. So just a couple of thoughts on that. The second is the nature of faith. Uh, what we see in a few of these demonic accounts is that the demons seem to have some kind of sense of who Jesus is. Um, so today, the demon says, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. That seems uh, like a statement of faith. So many have noticed this. Uh, that's, that's often coupled with a passage in James chapter 2, where he's talking about the difference between kind of lively faith and dead faith, faith without works. And he says, he says, even the demons have faith and tremble before God. So what do we make of demonic faith? I want to tip my hat. Uh, this is the feast day of St. Thomas Aquinas and the church. Obviously, we don't celebrate it because it's a Sunday. Uh, one of our tapestry figures and a great hero of mine. And he actually has a question in his summary of theology uh, in the 13th century. Do the demons have faith? That was the question he posed. And he answers in the affirmative, in a limited sense. They have a kind of intellectual ascent of who God is. They know about God. They've seen the works. And so uh, they have a kind of intellectual acceptance of faith. But what they don't have is love. Right? They don't have... It, to me, I've, always, I've often thought about it as the difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. Right? Like that's a real difference. Knowing about someone versus knowing someone. The demons know about God. Okay? They don't know God. Because knowing God is union with God, and union with God leads to live like Him, to conform our life with Him. So their faith is never translated into love. But faith without love is completely dead. Right? It's it's lifeless. So the demons possess a kind of intellectual acceptance of who God is because they see that in their spiritual nature. They, they, saw, they see the works, right? But it doesn't lead them to love. It leads them, in fact, to resentment and to hating God even more, right? But so it's a good reflection for us because it reminds us that intellectual acceptance alone of the truths of God is insufficient. That's demonic faith, you might say. If we stand and say the creed, but then don't live a life completely transformed by union with him and radiating with faith, translating itself into love, we're just like the demons. We have intellectual assent, but it's not transformed into faith working itself out in love, as Paul says in Galatians. And so, friends, these are just some random reflections I have on the demonic from our gospel today. We're going to hear a few more of these accounts 
throughout Mark's gospel, there's a significant portion. So, I don't know, think about it a little more. How do you make sense of, of these passages about the demonic? What do you think Jesus was at war with? Um, how does that affect you? Read, maybe look up Pope Francis's homilies on this. He's very visceral about the need to battle the forces that are even beyond us in the spiritual realm to grow in holiness, because they just want us to fail, right? And so what do we think about that? What do we think about C.S. Lewis's take that we got to avoid the extreme of dismissing, dismissing the demonic, but we also have to avoid the extreme of obsessing over it? And then to scrutinize our own faith. Does my faith sometimes look like the faith of the demon? Jesus, I know who you are, but that knowledge has not led to a complete transformation of my life. Um, I think those are a few questions that our episode with Jesus put forward for us today.